Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This week's episode of Barbecue and Tech is the secret party, disaster, success, I'm your host, Ross Simmons, joined by my partner, crime co-host, my barbecue man, Chris Ashley. What up, dog? What's up, my brother? Man, I knew, so, I knew what we was going to talk about today, so I had to make sure that uh, I did my research properly. So for breakfast, I had a big chunking slice of uh, smoked meatloaf with a side of smoked pastrami just to make sure I was fully prepared for this episode. So I, the thing that, well, I, as I said before, pastrami was something I wanted to try just because in our area, my wife complains that she cannot get a proper Reuben. And yes. I think, uh, well, we'll get into what people's opinions were of the Reuben, but the process is surprisingly easy. I say the stress. Yeah, level yeah. I, I was very was so high. So the 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 shocking part of it, just because this is something I love, Rubens. Um, I don't get them often. I'm not very picky about the Ruben I get. I, you know, I I like them with the sauerkraut. I like them with the coleslaw. When I first started eating them, I would just replace it with coleslaw. But then as I got more into it, I was, I would just do the sauerkraut with the Swiss cheese and the whole nine. But I, I always hesitated. I had actually ventured down this path, you know, just kind of see what the process was. And I hesitated just because of the brining process. And, um, I'm glad you kind of, you know, forced, forced it on us to, to, to step up and give it a shot. So I, so I, I looked at a lot of recipes um, and you can make your own, like the pickling seasoning or brining seasoning you need. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. there's, but there are lots of people who just, if you're, if you're like, why do I have to deal with, you know, 14 or 15 spice mix and getting the ratios right, which again, the instructions are painfully easy. I don't think that's a concern, but there are, you can buy these in a bag. They're fundamentally no different than what you would do if you did it on your own. Um, is it cheaper? Probably yes. But if you're, and for, and sometimes you get, you're concerned with quality, right? So when you buy pre-made stuff, but we, we, yeah. we, we attempted to eliminate any concerns over quality by going to our local spice shop who had a pickling mix already good to go. Yeah, and I think in the pickling mix that I saw online, there was there was only one ingredient that I didn't inherently have in my 
in my spice repertoire. So what was that? Like buying it. Um, it was a juniper berry. I think it was something like that. Okay. Uh And, um, then of course there's the, um, uh, Pergu or the pink salt, which yeah, is, nobody has that on hand. <laughs> no one has that. <laughs> Unless you're making ham all the time. <laughs> so there were two things. There was one thing I had to buy no matter what. And then we just bought us. We were there. We bought a spice mixture just saying, eh, if I don't feel like mixing it. And when I got home, it was, uh, I think it was salt, sugar, and then the, the mixture let it come to a boil so all the salt and sugars dissolve, put it in there. And that's no different than how we've talked about doing brines where we will yeah. boil, you know, at least half the brine to make sure the salt melts and make sure all the seasonings really yep. get in there and then we'll, you know, pour it over ice or pour it over water and or you know, and cool it off and then use it to really make sure we get a strong brine. Yeah. And then after again I when I for cooling off I used uh part ice part water for the uh, the second gallon so it was two total gallons and half the ga- half the uh, gallon added was ice and then very cold water all right too. so let's back up a little bit so you did two gallons of the of the pickling brine but and that was that because we split the brisket into point and flat no 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 it so it, it called no matter what it called for okay. two gallons okay so i the boiling was with one and then the other gallon was I, I you might say diluting it a little bit, but ultimately it was the the part that you used to bring it down to temperature just a little quicker than you would get if you tried to if you tried to just wait. Like mm-hmm. I didn't feel like waiting forty five minutes or an hour or so. And most recipes recommend bring it to the boil, then um Well, you want then, to completely uh, cool it anyway, so you yeah, you yeah, you don't want to dump hot water on cold brisket and start cooking it before you really want to cook it. Exactly. Um so the, I'd say the first problem we ran into, which we talked about on the show a little bit, both of us lost our, I lost my third refrigerator at the house. You lost your second. I so only had two, so had, I'm half. Yeah. Yeah. Neither one of us had room for a big brining bucket. No. Now, the fortunate thing is when this occurred, we were in a painfully cold snap. And I was like, I could just put this in a cooler, put like big bags of ice, like leave it outside. Cause it was mm-hmm. so cold. It, I mean, was, it was very like, cold talking yeah. like 13, 14 degrees. Yeah. And that, that was the run route I went to go. I was like, I'll just put it outside. It's I, it, honestly, if anything, it might actually, it, it could potentially freeze, which means I might need to bring it in so it could just not freeze. But then I looked and like the next day it was like 50 degrees, <laughs> four degrees. And I was like, it's not refrigerated temperature outside. So that's not good. And I was like, I could just put ice in it, but, you know, like not ice to dilute it, but ice in bags so mm-hmm. that it would keep it cold. But I'm like, I'm just going to be fighting with this. So the the search was on because I didn't have room for a brining bucket was how am I going to do this over a seven day period? And that's the um, pain right there. It's, yeah, it, it's it, it's a it's an investment. It's an effort investment yes. when you're do, when you're doing this. Yeah. So we decided to do a split of the point in the flat so that and they were smaller people. Oh, God. Yeah, I was saying we did we decided to split it. Not I don't think space was the primary. It was just the benefit of splitting it. But we split it A because we weren't sure we were actually going to smoke both. And after you and I discussed it a bit, we realized that uh we don't know which piece is better because this is our first time. We don't know if the flat was going to taste better or the point was going to taste better. 
So, you know, we decided we're going to smoke both. Let's separate it so they can fully cook on their own. And then we can figure out if one cut is better than the other. Right. So then, and for me, part of it did have to do with space because I knew I didn't have a, I couldn't fit one of the brining buckets. Yeah, I didn't say, yeah, I'm not saying it's like, you know, we benefited from it, but our, our main discussion wasn't about how we're going to make more space for you. Our main discussion was do because we were originally were going to take the point and make burn ends out of it. Right. So, yeah. So in looking like in looking, I don't know if everybody's aware. I'll, I'll use the term Ziploc as a generic, like people use Kleenex and tissue generically. Mm-hmm. Um, Ziploc makes, uh, like a big Ziploc bag, not the gallon freezer bags you used to, but like the two and a half gal- massive gallon bags. And I bought those. I could have used a five gallon version. And while they were, they're big enough, they were only big enough if I, we split the meat. So we knew we had to split it because I, there was nowhere like our Walmart had them, but I couldn't find these massive bags like bigger than two and a half gallons so by splitting it they fit individually in a bag we dump i dumped half the brine in each one of the bags and i doubled the bag because of course the last thing you want to do is brining it and then come back and it's like running all it's in a container all over your refrigerator right so i double bagged it and the first thing i did is like when i put it i put both bags together dump put the brisket in and then poured all the brine into the internal bag and then I was essentially getting all the air out of the bag. Like it was a, there was zero air left in that internal bag so that that way it could not Float. be out of the brine. Yeah. Cause I, even though I was going to be flipping it, I was going out of town for a couple of days. Um, so I knew that there's going to be a couple of days where I could ask my kids to flip it and they did. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't have to say, check it, make sure that it sunk. Like it was just like, just go into the drawer, take it, turn it over today. And then tomorrow do the same thing. So the brisket was constantly rotated in the brines. I had them actually in this, like the, like the kind of fruit drawers in my second refrigerator. So those lower drawers, mm-hmm. which was nice because if, if the bag, if, if bag it broke, yeah, leaked and bag two leaked, it was in a self-contained. So it would just be all in the drawer. But the problem you run into is that you don't really know how this is going to turn out until right. the very end. And we know that we can make a good brisket. Uh, if this brine didn't work out, we're going to find out on, if there's no audible to get a brisket, you know, for the right. when you find out. And we definitely weren't cooking well. too. Right. So, I mean, we had plenty of other food, but yeah, we, there was no backup plan on this. So we, yeah. we were all in on this, but, uh, I'll say that, uh, you know, you brought the, the, uh, and if anybody, let me back up just a hair. It's actually really easy to split the point and the flat. Um, you know, there is a fat seam that runs in between both pieces. So all you got to do is that as you start to cut out that deckel, that really hard fat, you can just follow that. Just run your knife along it because it's easier when it's cooked because it literally just slides right through it. But when it's, you know, it wasn't a big deal, even though it wasn't cooked. I just literally just ran the knife, started cutting out the fat so I could see the seat the top and the bottom and then i just ran the knife through the seam and separated the two P- piece of cake w- was not hard at all yeah for trimming i think, I think one thing i think we did very oh we well did trim we- it beforehand right so we yeah um go ahead ron uh, so the not everybody likes a lot of fat on the meat that they're going to eat even if it's super tender melting in your mouth especially when it comes to like pastrami 
it's very thin of hat. So we actually did very tight trimming and most of the, um, videos we watched on it. Um, I mean, it was a great, it almost looked competition level trimming. It was the most really aggressive I've ever trimmed a brisket. But the, the two things that I wanted to take away, it was one, I really wanted the brine to penetrate the meat, right? Because when you see pastrami, you're expecting it to look at that nice pink hue uh, when it's done. Two was, yeah, like you, when you eat a pastrami sandwich, you're not, it's not known for tons of fat sitting on top of it while you're chewing yeah. on it. So I, I was really, but again, I wanted to protect the meat. Um, and I wanted to make sure that there was some flavor that was going to render into it while it was cooking. So it was pretty aggressive. I'd say, um, you know, a couple points I scalded down all the way down (laughs) and then a couple, couple of spots. I I don't think, uh, I think, you know, normally I'm good with like a quarter of an inch of fat. I try to even it out. I think here I was probably at an eighth. Yeah, I, I honestly, from a trimming standpoint, I thought this was the best you've ever trimmed a brisket. And I know, like, it was really thin, but when you saw the the a super thin fat line and meat, I thought the ratio was exactly what you want. Because for someone who doesn't like it, if they're trimming off, it's so it was so minuscule that it will never alter the taste. You still got a little bit of that fat in there, but it was it was such a. I mean, it was it was perfectly thin line. Like I think. I think you took some photos of it. I know we'll post one up there, but I, I thought, I think I thought it was great. I mean, I would say that's probably almost the way you should trim more and more briskets. I, for me, I thought the challenge was so after you brine it, so you trim it, you separate it, you brine it, you pull it out. When, when I went over to your house, we pulled it out because we're going to put it on the smoker later that evening. Mm-hmm. I went ahead and rinsed it off. Like, and this was where I think the instructions that we got from. Uh, the one gentleman, I think his name was Joshua, Josh, Joshua Wiseman. Video. Yeah, Joshua Wiseman. Um, he recommended out of the brine, in back into a, a bucket of water to get extra salt off of it. All the core barbecue people said, pretty much rinse it off just to get the excess salt on the outside and season, and you're ready to go. I thought one person we, said to let it sit overnight. Let it sit in the refrigerator overnight. <laughs> yeah, was, well, we we did not was, do um, that. Malcolm Reed. We didn't. We just essentially rinsed. And when I left your house, I left it with dry paper towels on yes, top of it. Yes, yes, we of, did do that. And I think that probably helped out. If you can leave it overnight in the fridge, hey, that's great. But it was going. Yeah, we didn't have time for that. You need to cover it. You also need to cover it because you're dealing with the. I don't want it to pick up flavors from in the refrigerator for other stuff that's sitting in there or or smells or things like that. So, yeah, we. That, I'd probably say you were, I don't feel we lost anything by going directly from bucket no, to rinse, no. dry, and in. Texture was on point. Flavor was on point. Um, and what I did is I let it sit and, uh, with the paper towels just to kind of, you know, let it dry out. And then, um, while I was preparing the, uh, the uh, meatloaf, which yep. we'll talk about next. Um, but so, so here we have the two, and I think this thing was about uh, how much did it weigh? Six, sixteen, eighteen pounds. Yeah, 16, so not pounds. not yeah. not crazy big. Um, yeah. had great marbling though, especially on the point. Um, yeah. I, I was very impressed. We got it. We got this one from the butcher, but I was very impressed with the marbling on, on this guy. So I was really happy. Um, so, uh, and then you left when you left 
at my left my house, you left a a, a container with black pepper and what coriander and coriander yeah, okay. coriander seeds yeah yep and, and i will say when we i looked at it out of the brine i was showing chris i was like it does it there's points it just looked this this penetrated like literally i'm like this looks like regular meat i was really i mean the outside you could definitely tell that the outside of the meat but inside if you were looking at it yeah because like there was, was a split the that got scarred where, where the butcher like, accidentally cut and you can see you're like mm, why is this thing not pink yet so we were expecting it to be that pink color already and it really oh, wasn't sick. it was kind of like all night it was kind of like, like uh it it looked like a brown where it had picked up like the, the the color from like all the black pepper and the coriander and stuff like that not like brown like it was rotting but just you know it, it was just darker from all the seasoning and the pigments of the, the little tiny seasoning sitting on top of it from the brine so i you know i wasn't worried i you know i had a feeling i knew what was going to happen and um but uh i was like you know it, but it smelled amazing I yes, it, it yeah, I yeah. I was like this. No matter what, this is gonna taste good. I could just smell how good it was. So let's talk about the the seasoning. So I took um your everything you had and uh it in the coriander seeds and the black pepper, and I dumped it in my my grinder. And I we'll post that grinder again because I I I I accidentally broke my grinder. I don't know if I told you I accidentally broke it. Um. I was turning around quickly and I smacked it and it went flying across the kitchen and it just dished, it just blew up. And, uh, I was so bummed out. I was mad at myself. And uh, so what does my daughter do? She tells, you know, she, she basically conspires with her mother to get me one for Christmas. So I, they, they've got me another one for Christmas and, uh, you know, I hate getting gifts, but that was a good one. And so I was, and I, but I forgot I had it. And then I broke it out yesterday, um, this weekend. And I forgot why I love it. It's so quiet and so powerful, uh, to use. So I, I was so excited to break that thing back out. So I took your, uh, black pepper corns and I took your coriander. And then I had a bunch of, uh, seasoning that I had gotten from our, uh, spice shop. Um, so I had some smoked paprika I dumped in there and I just, I didn't measure a darn thing, not a thing. Um, I had some onion powder that I had from, that I gotten from there, some garlic powder that I dumped in there. Um, and some, a little bit of celery, uh, salt, a little bit because, uh, there was some in the brine. Um, but I, the one thing that you were clear about and I did not add was any salt whatsoever. I didn't add any pre-made rubs and I did not add any salt from any source um, because the idea was that it had soaked up for six days so much salt it didn't need it. And uh, so I was a little worried about that aspect of it, but I actually um, I just went with it. And then I also added some more black pepper on top of it because what I wanted to do is really crust it. Um, because that's like when I eat a pastrami sandwich or you know, I, I like to see that crusting on top of it. That that to me is like, you know, all the fun. And just like in any other meat that we smoke, we really want to see a nice crust on it. So I I seasoned that really, really heavily, he- heavily. Um, just um, in fact, I sprinkled it both sides around the edges on both pieces, waited a little while and went back and put some more on top of it again. 
Um, and then I knew I was smoking it overnight. So I just kind of let them start, I left them out so they could continue to get up to room temperature. So I tried to time it so that they had plenty of time to, you know, run off any extra brine, season it up, let that seasoning hit and just, you know, kind of soak in. And then the smoker was already ready uh, to rock because I had started it an hour earlier. And on top of that, I had put, uh, we did, I did pecan uh, wood, something that I like, um, nothing crazy, not too strong. Um, just, you know, just a solid wood to smoke with. Uh, and I'm just trying to think if I added anything else in, in there. Nope. It was, yeah, the paprika, the onion powder, uh, garlic powder, and then the, um, the 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 pepper your pepper and the coriander seeds and that yeah that was it and uh so as expected it smoked it obviously didn't take 12 hours to smoke but here's here's where i ran into a little bit of trouble uh a i'd once again i forgot to charge my uh meters <laughs> so once i realized it i was like oh the old rotation and then i had one that oh, actually uh I- the meters thing you brought up, um, one of our listeners reached out to me and said, Hey, you, which meter do you have? Because I have a, I think he had a single probe meter mm-hmm. and my base has a battery that I just put in. I never run into this charging problem you're talking to. And right. I'm like, what? Um, because if you have the four prong meter, it's, it's plug in, it's wall plug. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not battery driven. And, um, so for those who are just using right, the yeah, meter, you don't experience this problem. Yeah, because you, you yours charges off the battery. Yeah, uh, for so yeah, so I plugged it in, got it about a, I got a good hour, which was enough. Except for my third probe would not register. It would just, it just was not picking up. Thank God I didn't need it. Um, but the, uh, in fact, uh, after charging for an hour, honestly, I didn't even have to change the probes, but I was prepared to. So, um, <clears throat> I took uh. The flat out and oh, the other thing is, of course, I was uh, up preparing all the meatloaf and stuff and I had the uh, my torch inside the smoker way too long. So when I ran down to take it out, yeah, my, my smoker was sitting around the 370. Um, so and in and, and that thing, it takes forever to drop the temperature down because it just holds it. Um, so I had to essentially keep burping it. And then uh, close close every vent down, um, and finally when it hit about mm, two about two seventy, and the goal was to smoke at two twenty five. Uh, so when it hit about two seventy, um, I said, you know what? I'll put it in, and I'll put. Thank goodness it's, it's as big as it is because I could put both pieces on the top grate, which I knew was usually you know about ten. 10 or 15 degrees cooler than where the probe is. Uh, side note, <laughs> another mishap with the probe, uh, with the temperature probe. So I'm like, why did this thing get so hot? Why is it reading crazy numbers to me? Cause it was telling me it was 450, but I was like, there's no way. Uh, yeah. So I have the, uh, the probe for the inside. So this is a tip for everybody that clips. You know, sometimes you have to like you sometimes you have a clip that where the where a regular meat probe sits inside of the clip. 
some people have the the clip that looks like a lapel clip or it looks like a yeah. you know it looks like an alligator face. I had that. Well, apparently the wire that comes out of it can fall out of it. So I, you know, being nervous from the last time it happened, I looked, the clip was there where it was supposed to be. No problem. What I didn't notice smoking at night was that the clip was there, but the wire was down at the bottom. <laughs> so imagine grabbing that thing steaming hot and trying to, you know, fish the wire back through the, the part of the clip where it's supposed to be. Um, but then, but, uh, you know, little mishaps happen. You know, we got to be prepared for it. Uh, and pay attention. And this is why I always keep a separate meat probe because you never know when your meter battery is going to die, when your power is going to go out. So I always keep one separate, that little lollipop one that I use. I had a, you know, I think I posted one of the pictures on in our discord, um, where that thing hit exactly where the, uh, uh, hit exactly 200. Yeah. It was, it was just nice to see, but, um, but right around, I'd say midnight, the the top the uh the uh the pastrami went in now here's the problem i've never smoked this before i don't know what to expect um especially the fact that i split them i expected it to reach temp faster and the plan was let it smoke get up um get up to about 150 that was the instructions we saw um and wrap it at 150 taking it up take it on up to about 195 and pull it there and let it rest. Um, so I was like, okay, 150 it is. Well, after a couple of hours, the, the flat was sitting at like 140 and the point was sitting at like 145. And I was like, well, I can't go to sleep now because it's, it's going to hit 150 soon. Uh, yeah, for whatever reason, that was the point it chose to stall. And it literally took like another two hours before they hit 150. And I'm, I didn't sleep because I was so nervous that it was going to hit and I wasn't going to wrap it in time. (laughs) I was like, good God. I walked in the door on pure adrenaline. I walked out. I I didn't walk out. I limped out of there. I was so, I was exhausted. Thank God y'all put the food away and divvied it up. I, I just, I was dead. Um, but so, one thing I should point out. So if you listen to like a Malcolm Reed, cause he does a really good uh, episode on brisket there. The cooking at two twenty five was from Joshua Wiseman. That was his recommendation. Cook at a very low temperature, but his, where we deviated was barbecue. People say, leave it on the pit. You're cooking like a brisket. We're doing, and we chose to go the barbecue route where the traditional route deviates is that you then, pull it off water pan underneath sitting on top of that tenting it so you're really steaming it the rest of the way through and you're taking it you're taking it up to 325 good so point good we point. did a hybrid between the two cooking methods we essentially i think we did a great job marrying the two different methods that we, we watched multiple videos so i don't want people to think we just watched two videos we watched multiple videos yeah, but it boiled down back it, but it boiled down to essentially two methods, right? One, you know, and, you know, we kind of navigated right between both of those methods and think we came out with uh, something we enjoyed. So Rod is 100% correct. Yeah. The other me- one method was to take it off at 150 and steam it the rest of the way. The other method would treat it like a brisket smoking on up. And that's what we did, except the steaming portion 
the steaming, the temp you would have took it off to steam it is when I wrapped it as opposed to waiting. I usually wrap around 165, 170 when it gets much darker. Um, so that was, that was a kind of a hybrid move that, that we, um, that we pulled. Um, but eventually I did get them wrapped. Yeah. And I will say, I look, I went back to look at the history. It was 11 total videos that we watched. Yeah. And I, I then the similarities are, astonishing let's be very clear yeah the, yeah it wasn't a ton of differences but you know the things that we're pointing out are what fell into one camp and what fell into the other camp you know whether right. the brine the red the, the drain not drain smoke not smoke seasoning all of that stuff you know there's two different camps so we're we're it's essentially giving you what we navigated as a what we felt was the the best of both worlds um so finally probably about to five in the morning um what time did you text me it was like seven. six a uh, seven yeah seven okay yeah so it was just I was, going to get, I was going to get all the buns it was seven o'clock i was at the grocery store. so it was like an hour bread. before that where it kind of hit temp and i was going through the motion so um i did not add anything else to the wrap i didn't do anything i just wrapped it hello no, no nothing nothing I because again when we're doing something new we don't want to I don't want to do too much to it because I need room to improve and if it tastes one way and I did too much I have no idea what did what so if I keep it more on the simple side I, I can figure out things that can net, get it to the next level the next level the next level so no I didn't do any tallow or anything I just took it wrapped it in uh, pink butcher paper and put it back in now um, now the difference is when we put it back in at, I raised the temperature up to 275. So I did take it from the 225 that it was smoking at. And I think at, at the meat itself, it was probably sitting around two, in, anywhere between 210 and 219, I think for the most of the smoke. Um, but I cranked it up to 275 a, because, you know, I wanted to now, you know, finish it off, but B, I wanted to start getting the temperature up for the meatloaf. Um, and so that, so generally speaking, when I smoke a brisket, when I wrap it, that's the last time I see it until I'm actually slicing it. And so, but by now I've done so many briskets that it's not a big deal, but this was a little nerve wracking on this one. Um, the one thing I didn't have was I didn't have pans. So, you know, folks have heard me say before that when I wrap my briskets, I like to wrap it and pan it because I want to keep as much of those juices as possible. Um, in this particular case, this I did not have any pans left in the house. Um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, and so I had to go in the morning to go get a stack of pans, and then I panned it later on. So... Um, but then it was a good amount of juices um, when we actually o- open yeah, open it up. So I, I didn't lose out on too much, but uh, definitely uh, wished I had panned it sooner. So part of me internally, I was like, yeah, because it had a long time to rest before we were quite a bit. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, at what I think like around almost five, a little after five o'clock where we were carving it. Yeah. And part of me had hoped that you had just snuck a piece, carved a piece off and said, it's good. Mm-mm. We're okay, Rod. Nope. Mm-mm. You Mm-mm. rolled up in my house. We opened it all up. And the f- even I could tell, I was like, it's juicy. I know that much. But of course, I wanted to see the first slice to say, it turned it pink. That pink hue that we've seen. And uh, Chris sliced the, the first slice. He's like, Rod. I looked at it. I was like, oh my God. It's there. We're here. We're in there. We're in there, baby. <laughs> so, so we're good, right? Like, right? We've avoided total disaster this evening. Right. And then uh, and my father-in-law, mother-in-law were there, and they are. And to be and just to be clear, they are pastrami, Reuben ex, experts. They're you know they're of the Jewish faith, so it's big in their in 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 their diets. Uh, they eat a lot of Reubens. That you know the two things they eat a lot of brisket. So I love getting her his mother-in-law's opinion on my brisket. And I uh, and this was the first time we had done Rubens and uh, more on the Ruben. Your father in law is more the expert on the Ruben yes. than your mother in law is. So I was excited that they were there. And she, when 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 she bit into it, he bit into it first. I'll talk about him in a second. But when she bit into it and her eyes opened up, and she started rattling off like some of her favorite places that she felt that this was on par with. I was extremely happy to hear that. Your father-in-law, he just gave the shake. He was like, "Oh yeah, this is really good." And so we we knew we were in in a, in there after that. And then so I I went to town, and I sliced it with your chest out for the rest of the time. Sliced sliced up the flat all the way through, so people and you cut it super thin. Like normally you cut a, thi- a little bit yeah. thicker. You were definitely cutting very thin. Yeah, because I honestly I felt bad because the slicer is literally above my head right now. But I was so tired that I just did not feel like pulling it down. And I would have loved to have cut it in half and then put the halves on the slicer and sliced it down. But I said, you know what? I've got pretty decent knife skills. Um, let me see if I can get some was, nice. I mean, honestly, it looked like a butcher sliced it on a slicer. It was so it was thin. It was beautiful. We had one friend there who she grew up with a mother who burned every guy. <laughs> dang. <laughs> here's a funny thing. Her issue with the pastrami was that it was not that it was not brown that it was that it had that pinkish hue to, to it. And yeah. it's like, but you have to understand, it's cooked to two hundred five. Well done is like one beyond well done. Like, yeah, this is well well beyond this. We cooked it to break down the collagen and the connective tissues, all that stuff. Like, it's cooked meat. She could not. Get I, and I looked. I was like, "Do you eat ham?" And she was like, "No." And I was like, all right, I'm done with you. <laughs> we're, we're finished here. Uh, oh, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I really am curious if anybody else has somebody like that who they just mentally cannot get past the break of yeah. like saying it's pink. 
it's not cooked when you're like this is 205 like it's this, this is not you're not looking at uh, it's not, i know it's not blood but like it's this it's, it's dripping clear like this is just juicy meat and it's like she just she can't do it yeah. cannot yeah. give it's a shame shame yeah. but uh so um one of the things we came across um was that in the very center of the thicker yeah. parts of the brisket was brown like brisket so the brine did not penetrate a hundred percent to the middle and so yeah and, yeah, I, and I like I was thinking about that a little bit and I was like because there were sometimes it was really dead center and there was sometimes it was like kind of upper edge like so all below it was fine but like you would be like just in the edge and I don't know if it's like the density but I thought you had a really good idea of how to potentially try to address that as we move forward yeah so we're definitely a going to try this again 100 percent. b what i think we'll do is um one of the things we've talked about in the past is our is one of the tenderizers we like to use and this tenderizer has like you know maybe like 50 little blades on it (laughs) and uh so as you push down on the meat the blades shoot through and it um it uh it you know it basically puts these little cuts in the uh in in the in the meat so what i figured was like if we if we do that and that would allow the brine to get a little bit you know in the thicker spots spots of the brisket it would allow it to penetrate more because what happened was in those slices and you might even notice it if you go back and look at one of the pictures we had you will see like it's like pink 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 and then like a thin line of brown in the middle of it now what we did what rod and i did was to say okay maybe it just didn't yeah it maybe it penetrated but it didn't change colors but when i cut out that brown to taste it it yeah it didn't have the pickling flavor that i did that the rest of the brisket had so it wasn't you know it didn't cause a problem it still tasted very very good but it was just something we noticed from our first time trying to smoke uh pastrami so next time i think yeah. we'll we'll tenderize it uh, quite a bit uh, at least in the you know kind of like that thicker midsection and uh and that way we can kind of see if that makes a difference yeah and if you uh if you look at um meat church did a video on pastrami and he had some places where he actually pointed out when he cut his that the meat actually didn't do a good job penetrating so uh, i i don't feel i didn't feel like alone that we were the only ones who didn't get that part right um do you want to jump over and talk a little bit about uh the uh, meatloaf yeah so let me wrap up real quick with the uh pastrami so i had a chance to evaluate both the point meat and these flat meat and i would say for anybody that doesn't want to spend for a full packer i would actually say get the flat i i found the flat to be more enjoyable and i use that loosely because i just housed some some of the uh point meat you know right before the call right before we started doing this episode and i loved it but i just i found the flat to be more representative of what I was used to from a pastrami sandwich standpoint. And uh, real quick, you should touch on the sauce that you end up making. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. So uh, this was like a big debate. So the gentleman, Joshua 
talks about making a Russian dressing. And I said, Russian dressing. My wife, she's like, yeah, it's not Russian dressing. I was like, this guy's Jewish. Like he has to know what he's talking about. Like I'm, and of course she looks and she's like, no, it's supposed to be Thousand Island. So I looked around and this is again, like I say, this is where you get benefit. Um, uh, Sam, the cooking guy did an episode on a Reuben and he had a dressing that he made, which was super simple. And I followed his recipe, which is more Thousand Island. I'll give her Greek's credit there. So I made a Thousand Island dressing. We did have the coleslaw. I made coleslaw. We also had um, the sauerkraut that Chris spoke with. But I made a Thousand Island dressing. We had tons of rye bread here um, so that you could make the sandwiches. But yeah, I think that that was probably the difference is making the Thousand Island dressing. I'll put a link to Sam the Cooking Guy's video in the uh, in the show notes. So at least, and I'll actually even timestamp it to where he actually makes the dressing. So that way you don't have to uh, dig in. Um, I use Duke's Mayo, which is kind of the core base of it, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put a link, uh, cause I think it's definitely worth, um, worth you digging in and, uh, taking a look at it. But it, it was definitely more Thousand Island focused. He doesn't call it a Thousand Island. And in my opinion, it's very similar to a Russian dressing. So just for argument's sake with my wife, I'll call it Thousand Island. Nice. Yeah, it was very good. Um, so, and, and on top of that, we did it in slider format too. Your wife actually made the full on with the, uh, rye bread, which I didn't get a chance to because I don't yeah. eat. And the next, the next day she did it where she took it, put it under the toaster, melted. She <sighs> liked provolone, not Swiss. Uh, so she did the whole nine yards up and she, she's had it a couple, couple times. So she was, it's definitely something that I wouldn't make it every single time, but it'll definitely be something that's a staple that I'll make. Yeah, we definitely know, two or three times a year. Yeah. So, I did mine as a slider. So I took a couple slices of the pastrami. Um, I put the sauerkraut on top of it. I, I dabbled the sauce on top of that and just housed that just straight up. No cheese, uh, even though I love, would love to have melted some cheese on it. Just, you know, I don't want to get egregious. <laughs> I want to try to keep my calories down. So, but I enjoyed every minute of that. And um, yeah, so on to the meatloaf. So the meatloaf was another thing we had never done before. Um, it kind of hit me that I'm sure somebody had done it. So I started researching, watching different videos on people doing it. And, uh, what I, the funny thing that I found was every single video I watched, and it was probably like a good four or five of them. They're like, ah, go to the store, get you some 80, 20 mix. And I was like, why are you starting with such a, you know, a, a, a low bar? You know what I mean? So that's why I said, you know what? We're going to, I'm going to do this with our traditional 50 50 mix, 50% brisket, 50% uh, chuck. Um, so I went to our back to our butcher, grabbed a bit. I said, just you, I said, contrary to what I normally ask for, I'll take one on the smaller side. Uh, he brings me out an 18 pound brisket. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, so next up, I did, um, and I, I said, give me uh, six pounds of chuck. And uh, he had one cut already that was five, so I took that. So got home and had an opportunity to borrow our friend's Cabello's uh, grinder. If I didn't have access to that grinder as readily as I do, because he was like, you know, anytime you need it, just come get it. You don't even, I'll give you the code to my house. You can just walk in and take it and, and leave. I would have immediately went out and found one and bought one. I love my grinder. My grinder does a great job. This thing is no joke. It is way bigger than mine. It's probably twice the size of mine. 
And so for mine, I got to cut everything, you know, kind of like cube it up to get a you know good solid run through that machine. Um, it doesn't really bog down because I've just cut it up pretty decently and or run it through. This thing did not care. I could have stuck an arm in there and it would have been like burger arms on the way. That It was amazing. And uh, I cut them into pretty significant size strips and uh, just dropped them in there. And as soon as like, like as soon as I was dropping the, the, the strips in there, it was just grinding it up and throwing it out. And then I did my traditional what I found to be the right move, which is to grind it twice. Um, The first time it just kind of grinds it up and. But the second time, it really mixes everything together and gives you a, a, a really good grind. So I like to grind it twice. Um, now, this is where I run into a little bit of trouble with this because he forgot to give me the plunger. And the plunger essentially allows you to force the meat down into the chute. Um, without that, when you're trying to run it through a second time, it gets a little bit difficult to kind of get you get the already ground meat into the hole. So but I just grabbed my my uh, plunger that I had for mine. And that that made the process work. Unfortunately, mine's smaller, so it doesn't fill the hole properly. So I don't get a good push every time I push into it. But nonetheless, it still worked. I even had my daughter, you know, I, I had my daughter pushing it and learning how to plunge it in there while I was grabbing it and laying it out. So that was the first, that's what I started with when I started with this uh, meatloaf was a nice 50 50 mix between brisket and uh, and Chuck. And I didn't overdo it either. Like, you know, I say. Before, when I realized I had enough for about three different uh, meatloafs, I stopped there. Um, and I grounded up the rest, but I just put it in the refrigerator. I'll make burgers and stuff uh, out of that. The other nice thing that uh, his Cabela's meat grinder has is an ice pack that goes. Yes. Yes. So one of the keys to grinding your meat is keeping the everything cold. So everybody will tell you, take all the internal parts, put it in a freezer for like an hour, put the meat in the freezer for about 20 minutes. So that when you get everything put together, everything, because that grinder really runs and it starts to heat up. And if it gets too hot, the meat starts to become mushy when it's yeah. instead of, you know, nice and ground, like the traditional looking ground beef. And his has an ice pack that you can freeze, put over like the the grinding part of it, and it keeps it colder longer. I, that thing is just awesome. So what I did with that was. I went ahead and left that in the freezer for the first part of the grind. And then once I had gotten through the first part, then I put it on to extend that cold time and then went through the second time part of the grind. So that's how I, I used it. And it worked out great. Easy to clean. It's actually easier than mine to clean because it's so much bigger. So it's eating a piece of cake to get into like the hard spots. And, um, you know, it, it just just an overall a awesome grinder. So. Had right, to, so I just want to make sure I get this. You used you did chuck brisket mm-hmm. for the uh, meatloaf for the meatloaf. Okay. All yep. Right. So trick number two. So traditional meatloaf. You know, you you get your ground beef. You throw in your breadcrumbs and you throw in your egg as the binder, right? So the breadcrumbs and the egg mixed with the meat, and that's what gives it. That's what allows the the meat to become a loaf. Otherwise, if you don't do enough, it becomes it's crumbly, right? It doesn't. You can't actually slice it. It just crumbles and falls apart. But I didn't want to use egg, um, even though egg is fat and it adds flavor to it. I was like, I'm using brisket and you know chucked from the butcher so i don't really need the egg for the extra flavor what can i do to in- get a um, the binding that i want but still enhance the flavor of what i'm doing so i instead 
used applesauce. So this is some revisionist history if I've ever heard it. You were at the store. That's secondary. Said, I already knew I wasn't going to use it. <laughs> She's like, are you going to use eggs? You're like, no. And then you're like, I can't use eggs now. What am I thinking? <laughs> well, you know, yeah. But I had already decided I wasn't using egg. That's why I was so yeah, defiant when just, she asked me what I was doing because you know, I had you know, all this food with me. And she was like, yeah, are you? the moment of what am I doing? Yeah. She's like, uh are you going to use egg? And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. And I, but I said it in such a snobby way. And then I was like, Oh man, the egg is the binder. So now I, now I definitely can't use it. So anyway, this is a funny little she'll, she'll know. <laughs> she'll know somehow there's a random lady in the store, but uh, no, actually turns out her husband was smoking a brisket for, uh, uh, for the Super Bowl. And I told her yeah. to tell him to tune in. So yo, my man, if you're listening to this episode, your wife is awesome. And we had a great conversation um, at Bed Bath. So anyway, I took the meatloaf and uh, uh, and uh, I used applesauce instead because I figured, you know, what apple wood we would use to smoke food, apple flavor, add a little sweet to it. Um, so, yeah, I used applesauce and I used panko breadcrumbs and then um, didn't go crazy with the rest of it, though. Again, first time doing something, want to keep it more on the simple side. Um, so what I did do is I uh, added in some uh, some uh, uh, some regular uh, uh, SPG mix. Um, and I did, uh, I actually put in fresh garlic or, well, garlic in the jar. That's, uh, you know, soaking in the olive oil. I used some of that. And then... Um, I used sour cream as an additional binder and uh, and the applesauce and, and that's it and mixed it up pretty well. And I didn't overwork the meat. I felt like I worked it just enough. And then the trick was, OK, how do you obviously if I put the pan into the smoker, it's not it's, it's not going to get in all the smoke flavor that we want it to have. So instead, I had my daughter line the ro- the loaf pans with saran wrap and then i filled in the uh the mix into the into the pans with the saran wrap in it and then i had her tap it on the counter then we put it in the refrigerator so a that allowed me to easily remove the loaves out of the out of the pans because i just, all i had to do was turn it upside down and the plastic just fell right out and then i just removed the plastic that was it so that worked out really cool. And then if you remember, I bought those mini loaf pans to do chicken thighs in. So I was like, how would this turn out if I just did a mini one? So I went ahead and had some extra leftover. I filled up about six slots and uh, did some mini loaves as well. I put those directly in the pan because um, all, all I did is I took a, a spatula and kind of hit the edges of those and it popped They popped right out. So, it, it, so it, that's what told me that the binding that I did held well because it just popped out immediately so that was good so those took about an hour to smoke and hit temp and i let them rest and then the uh, lows actually took about two and a half hours I, I was i was planning on two hours they took about two and a half but man they came out amazing they made great sandwiches and essentially what i did is i cut some pretty thick slices off the loaf but then i cut those in half so they could go on the sliders on the slider buns and i just ate them like that it was very decadent to me it was almost reminded me of the uh of the the feeling i got when i was eating the the mac and cheeseburger the smoked mac and cheeseburger 
It was just, you know, oh, yeah. that potato roll with the with the smoked meatloaf, the smoked flavor. It just worked. Now on the little, what I did, I did two different type of se- top seasoning. So what happened was when I took them out of the pans and before I put them in the smoker, I actually hit the top with some seasoning. So on the little guys, I did the uh, meat church, uh, one of their barbecue rubs, but on, and that was my sweet kind of barbecue rub type of deal. But on the other ones, I actually went for savory and I used the, the, as the truffle SBG mix that we've talked about before and, uh, in that green bag and, uh, overwhelmingly people love the savory version of the meatloaf over the other version. And they were both good. Um, everybody said, no, these are both delicious, but if I had to choose one, it would be that savory version of it. And I have to agree. I really enjoyed that savory flavor on top of the smoke and on top of the, the meatloaf. It was super easy to make two hours tops. I mean, aside from the grinding part of it, but if you didn't want to grind and you went and got an 80, 20 mix, you could easily throw in some onions and, um, and I actually brought, bought some pre diced onions cause I was just being lazy. I was so tired. So I, you know, threw on some pre diced onions, threw in everything else, the sour cream. And I didn't measure a single thing. Just dump, 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 mixed it up, put it in the pan, let it sit overnight, smoked them the next day. Done. So pretty solid. So overall, the wings were great, Rod. Um, that you did well before you the one thing that i think jumped out to me when i looked at it is i i've never noticed a smoke well i've never done smoked uh meatloaf before but it's really cool looking at a smoke ring on meatloaf i don't know if you i mean i assumed you picked up on it when you oh, of course it. oh yeah it was just like an obvious like oh yeah meatloaf smoke ring it's yeah really, that that it aesthetically when i slice i sliced the whole thing and kind of laid it out i was like this looks awesome you literally could see the smoke ring all the way around it. Um, and it was moist and uh, just good. Now, the old, what I didn't do with the meatloaf was, you know, traditionally you see somebody make like a ketchup mix, you know, and they put the sauce on top and then, you know, fin- they finish it off with that sauce. I did not do that. But I have enough meatloaf where I think I want to try it just to see if there's any difference. So what I'll do is I'll do the meatloaf, a meatloaf the same way, but in the end I will hit it with some barbecue sauce on the top and then let that, um, you know, seize up on there and, and smoke yeah. in and then, and then slice it off like that and see if I notice a, a big difference with it or not. Yep. But, uh, man, that was, that Super Bowl came out really well. Uh, the slider yeah, theme, I mean- once slider, again, slider over the top. Again, oh, you also did a burnt. We also did burnt ends. Yes, yes. So what I did with the, obviously, I wasn't going to grind up the entire uh, brisket. So I did a burnt. I did some burnt ends uh, from the point, and uh, phenomenal, just phenomenal. And so what I did was I separated the two again, um, and then what I did with the point was I seasoned it super heavy super heavy and i smoked it all the way up to about uh uh 200 because you know lately i've been pulling briskets and stuff around 195 and letting it ease on up to 200 but when i got just the point itself i know i can take it higher so i i took that up to like two 200 
and really and then i rested it so a lot of times when you're making uh burnt ends you would take that immediately cut it up put it in the in in your sauce and put it back in to let it cook down i didn't do that i actually took it off and rested it for like an hour and a half took it out sliced it and, and or cubed it i should say and then put it in the pan and so if you watch like uh like a Malcolm Reed do his, he'll actually take the juices and uh from the brisket and run it through the uh oil, the oil separator, and then he'll pour the juices back on top, add in some barbecue sauce into there, and then he'll kind of brush the sauce on top of the cubes and then put it back in. So I kind of followed his method, uh, which was to do that. So um, I actually took they didn't last long, so they got the housed, housed, and uh, they came out great. The only thing I, I didn't do was sprinkle a little dusting of a of rub on top when it came out off the smoker, but they 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 were excellent, absolutely excellent. So we used every part of that brisket up uh, big time, and I was, re- was re- and, I was extremely happy with the way everything turned out. Yeah, and traditionally what we do is we we lay the food out and we let everybody choose what they want uh, from a food perspective, so they can. Uh, pick individual pieces they want, uh, put it onto sandwiches, and away they go from there. So, like I say, I think overall, I couldn't argue, man. This was a it was a great thing. Wings were great, duck fat fries were good. I, really I've good. Got a process now on making the fries that works out well of getting those things. I mean, they're pretty much ready to go. So I'm usually talking a four and a half to five minute cook per batch, and then I usually get the once people start arriving. Like I know that they're five or 10 minutes out. I start batching fries. So they're coming off. They're hot. People can come in and um, it's a lot of fries, but you know, like I say, it worked out well and we have mac and they're cheese. Very crispy, stuff. very puffy on the inside. Just very good. It complimented both sandwiches very well. Um, so I would say if you're, if you've ever thought about making pastrami, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. The biggest the, part is just space in the refrigerator. That is, other than that, you're doing it a brisket. And again, like Chris said, no additional salt. Everybody, every video you watched. That was very consistent. Salt. Yeah. And it didn't need it. It didn't need it at all. It had plenty of salt, plenty of flavor. Uh, it was really, really good. So, yeah. So overall, I think this is good. Yeah, uh, man. We got to get into our next cook. But um, yeah, I was really happy with the uh, this. This was this was overall a success to me. And shout out to all the people that complimented and uh, gave comments on on the pictures they saw. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. All right. I think we had. I don't want to do picks now because I think we have a lot of them. Because we have. Yeah. No, we got a lot of links. Uh, I linked out to the pickling seasoning. So if you're trying to figure out what we got, we got it from the Spice and Tea Exchange. I uh, the meat tenderizer we talked about, the Capella's grinder. I'm not saying that you're buying all that stuff, but there's a there's a ton in there to get into. But like I say, I think this was a this was definitely a hit. Other than our one friend who she doesn't know how to uh, eat meat that is not um, shoe leather. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I invite her, but that's a different story. We like her husband, right? Uh, <laughs> no, she's a wonderful person. Just Very nice. Not tolerate looking at uh, meat that has uh, anything dripping out of it or anything that is not. Like I said, shoe leather. So, but again, great time. I do enjoy it. And uh, your smoker came through again for the win. So, oh man, I love this thing. I, it makes me jealous because I don't even want to use my smoker. I'm like, <laughs> I could smoke this. <laughs> However, I know it's less work for you to smoke it. And 
your thing with temperature is just rock solid. If it's the temperature is up and down, like if it's going to start off cold and then get hot, it's different for me. It, it shifts well. It you know, even though it took a while to get from hot to get it down, it got down there. You know, it, even uh, cranking it back up to two seventy five, no problem. It's the it's just a I, good smoker. The, other thing I like about your smoker is that the heat source is over to the right mm-hmm. where my heat source is right below. So if you're trying to go really hot on a pellet with the heat source right below, you can damage or burn the bottom of your meat. Yes. If you go too hot where you can go. To, if I go 275, I'm burning stuff up. You go 275. It's like, no, it's just air, right? Right. It's just hot 275 smoky air. Every time it just makes me hate this one. <laughs> that smoker right. is awesome. Ready to bounce out of here? All right, let's get out of here, man. Talk to you. Hey, guys, thanks a lot. Love you. Talk to you. See you on the next episode. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.